So we're going to say a quick prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for who you are in our lives, thank God. You, we thank you for what you have done in our lives and what you continue to do, God. And Father, we ask you to just help us, God, to continue to abide by your word, God. Because you said if your word abide in us, God, and if we abide in your word, God, then we can ask what we will, God, and it shall be done. So as we stand before you right now, God, humbling ourselves, God, because your word said if we would humble ourselves, God, before you, God, that you will exalt us in due time, God. But God, we're not looking for no exaltation today, God. We're looking to lift your name up on high, God. Because you said if your name would be lifted up, God, that you would draw men unto you today, God. So as we lift your name up, God, in song, in prayer, God, in ministering, God, oh God, draw us closer to you, God. Make the necessary correction in our lives that need to be correction, God. Purge the things that need to be purged in our lives, God. Clean us up, God. Renew us, God. This mind of ours, God. Renew it, God. That we can have the mind of Christ, God. That as we walk this walk, God, that we'll be humble, God. And we'll do the things that you have called us to do, God, according to your word. We might not always get it right, God. But we know that Jesus sit on the right hand of the Father, God. And he's making intercession for us, God. So, God, we thank you for your grace today, God. We thank you for your mercy, God. We thank you for your love and your kindness, God, and your tenderness towards us, God. So we praise and magnify you. And we serve notice on the enemy today that you have no power here. The word of God says, I have given you all the power over the power of the enemy. So we know that we have the power over the enemy, that he have nothing here, that he is already defeated and we have the victory through Jesus Christ. We praise and magnify you in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So we just thank God for who he is in our lives. We thank God for the word of God. We thank God for his Holy Spirit. So if if you could turn to with your Bibles with me. I know that uh, our minister Rosetta read the scripture in Isaiah. We're going to touch a little bit on that. And then we're going to move a little bit deeper. But it was some important things that goes along with my message that I wanted to point out in that particular scripture. So if you could turn to that sixth chapter of Isaiah right quick. And we're going to go over a couple things in there. And God gave me a word today. I had another word, but like I say, I had another word. But God gave me this word today. <laughs> and the title of my sermon today is A Extraordinary God Uses Ordinary People. An Extraordinary God Uses Ordinary People. We know that we serve an extraordinary God. An awesome God, King of kings and Lord of lords. But yet and still, God uses ordinary people like me and you to do his will and to do the things that he has called us to do. We know if God can take a shepherd boy and turn him into the king of Israel, what can he do with our lives? But it's some things that we got to have a clear understanding on 
and be willing to submit to some things of God in order to achieve the things that God want to achieve in our lives. Amen. Some very important things. And one of the most important things, number one, is we must be purged. And as you look at the, this uh, sixth chapter of Isaiah, and it was describing some things, a vision that Isaiah has seen. And there's some purging went on with Isaiah life. Sometimes we can think that we're in a place, but we're really not where we should be in God. So it takes some things to help us realize and to see where we are. Sometimes God has to show us ourselves. You know, because we can sometimes look in the mirror and think that we okay by the things we do. You know, the status that we have. You know, the, the looks that we have, our physique our clothes, our bank account, our neighborhood, you know, our zip code. You know, some of those things can influence you in a way to have a lot of confidence in them. But as you see Isaiah here, and he said, we're going to start out in the fifth verse there. He said, then I said, woe is me. And we know that what happened here, and Isaiah explained to the situation where he was in the year that King, Zia, King Uzziah died and the, and the seraphims that was there, and explained about the wings. that They had six wings, and two wings covered their faces, and two wings covered their, their feet, and the other two they did fly with. This was symbolic to them showing reverence to God because their faces wasn't before him. They kept them covered because of the holiness of God. And their feet, they kept covered because of the holiness of the place that they were in. So it's, some, it's, some, it's something inside that scripture there that you got to dig deeper than just what it's saying. That's why they had six wings. And that's why they covered their faces while they were in the presence of God. Yes. And Isaiah was in the presence of God. And he said, then said I, woe is me. For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. So he recognized who he was. And he recognized who he was in the presence of. And in order for us to be used by him, we must first be purged by him, cleaned by him. And if we're going to be used by God, then we have to be true to ourselves and where we are with God. And we have to know our unworthiness. Isaiah recognized his unworthiness that he wasn't worthy to even be in the presence of God after he got there. And he fell down as a dead man. He said, I'm undone at the presence, the very presence of God he was undone. And that's the first thing we have to recognize. We have to recognize that we're unworthy that we need God, that we need to be purged by him. And the purging come through the fire and the burning of the Holy Spirit. And so the angels went and got the coal off the altar and they brought it and put it upon his lips and purged him. Not only did he purge him of his iniquity, but purged him of his sins. You know, the first thing we have to do is we have to, unless we acknowledge our unworthiness. We're not ready to be used by God. 
See, we think we are. And we can get in ourselves sometime and think that we are ready. But our righteousness, as the word of God tells us, is as filthy rags. And that's what was going on with Isaiah here when he was in the presence of God. He realized that even though he was a prophet of God, yet and still he was unworthy in the presence of God. So he had to be purged. He had to be cleansed. An extraordinary God using ordinary that's what we're talking about today. So after he was purged and he was cleansed, then it was a calling that God gave to him. Now he was worthy to answer that call. See, he had to be cleansed first. And then God asked a question. Who shall I send? Then we can stand boldly after we've been purged, after we've been cleansed. We're talking about an extraordinary God using ordinary people. But you have to realize who you are and what you need in order to be used by God. You got to submit your will to God. You got to be cleansed by God. You got to be purged by God. You got to be willing to let God do some things in your life in order to move you to where he wants you to go to. Second thing is God can use us, but we must allow him to break us first. So Elijah, um, Isaiah was purged and he was cleansed, but now it's a breaking time that's got to happen. See, we can't go to where God wants us to go until we're broken. He's purged now. His sin has been forgiven. Even though we're saved, even though our sin's been forgiven, as we go through this Christian walk, it's some things that's got to be broken in our lives. See, because God can't use you unless you've been broken. Because through our breaking, he'll show us some things in our lives. See, because we got some things going on that we don't realize that's going on in us. And see, God will reveal them to you. He allow us to be broken. He allows us to go through certain situations and circumstances in our lives that will almost destroy us. And see, when it breaks you down, it lets you realize who you are. But yet and still, it allows you to realize who God is and who has the power and who's in control. See, God is in control. And sometimes he has to break us because we're so focused on things. We're so focused on people. We're so focused on our children. We can be so focused on our wives, on our husband, on our job, that we forget who God is. But through his breaking, he allows us to come back to ground zero and realize who he is. And there's no better example in the word of God than in the 26th chapter, if you'll turn there with me right quick. And Peter... I'm going to use him as that example because Peter was a very confident man. He was confident in himself. In the 26th chapter, starting at the 31st verse, turn there with me. And Peter, we know Peter. Peter was bold. He was bold, a very bold person in God. But see, we're talking about an extraordinary God using ordinary people here. We got to remember who the disciple was. There was uneducated people. Fishermen. No, we're in Matthew. I'm sorry. 
Matthew, the 26th chapter. Help me out there, honey. Help me out. Matthew, the 26th chapter, and starting at that 30th verse. So Peter is a very bold, confident person. And we know through reading the Bible and the things that Peter did, and in this particular scripture here, it very well shows us. It, only, it don't only show us how confident and how bold and braggish Peter was, but it also shows how Jesus dealt with Peter because he dealt with him in this scripture in a particular way that he didn't only allow him to be broken, but he also reassured him that he was going to build him back up again. See, when God breaks us, he don't just leave us broken. Because he breaks us to put us back together again. He breaks us to be so he can build us up. And he can take, us, take out those imperfections that's going on in our lives. And those things that we have the most confidence in. And he take and crush them and turn them into nothing. To let you know that it's him that we are supposed to have the confidence in. In his word. In the work that he done upon the cross. In the Holy Spirit. Leadership and guidance in our lives. So if we look at that. At the 30th verse there, and it says, and when they had sung a song, and this was after the, um, they had sat down for supper in the last supper that they had, and Jesus had explained something to them and went, went through, and, and, and he was revealing some things to them. So this is after that, and they was on their way out. And when they had sung a song, starting at the 30th verse, and a hymn, <clears throat> then went out into the, to the Mount of Olives. Then said Jesus unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the sheep, the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. Now this particular quote that Jesus gave was from Zechariah 13, chapter and the seventh verse. He said, it is written that you shall be scattered after I smite the sheep. And that, 32nd verse it says but after I have risen again I will go forth before you into the Galilee Peter answered and said unto him now we know who Peter was we know how Peter did so Jesus was explaining to them what was going to happen but Peter said wait a minute wait a minute now Jesus I don't know about the rest of these Negroes right here but I not me, P. Not me, Jesus. I will never be offended. That's how Peter was. He was self-confidence. He was delusional at this point. <laughs> he was boastful. He was bragging on himself. He had a lot of confidence in himself. And that's why he interrupted Jesus. I can just imagine Jesus wasn't finished with what he was saying because Peter, who he is, he said, wait a minute, Jesus. Wait, 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 wait one minute here now because I know I ain't going to leave you. See, Peter was a very, at this point in time, you got to remember now, the Holy Spirit hadn't came yet. Jesus hadn't ascended and the Spirit hadn't came yet. So Jesus, Peter didn't have that much help right now. So he couldn't control that flesh of his. A lot of time he got in himself. And he started to say things that wasn't so. So this was Peter speaking from the flesh now. So, so Peter stood up because he knew who he was. He was, a, he was a fleshly man. He was physical. He always dealt in a physical confrontation more than a spiritual confrontation. 
See, Jesus was trying to bring us or bring them to that point to show them that it wasn't about the natural. This is a spiritual warfare we're fighting. And many times we're trying to handle things in the natural that is spiritual. We're trying to deal with people that's having spiritual issues in a natural manner. And we're failing in a lot of areas in the church. See, it's such a disconnect in the house of God because we have gotten so far away from the spirit of God and the connection that links us to God till we're missing the point. The problem in our churches today is that we're forgetting about the Holy Spirit that links us, that connects us, that gives us the information we need, that gives us the insight we need in order to do the things that God wants us to do. And that's what was going on here with Peter. Peter. But we can understand what Peter's problem was. But what is your problem? See, the problem is we think that we can serve God without his spirit. And that's impossible. You can't serve God unless you have the spirit of God. Because God ain't dealing with you in a fleshly manner. Remember who you are. You are a spiritual being living a natural experience, right? Ain't that the song he sang? I would sing it, but we ain't gonna go there right now. Huh? So we gotta remember who we are. I love that song because it describes something. It ministers to you. It lets you know who you are. You are a spiritual being. Remember back in the garden when he created us. He said he breathed the breath of life. He breathed his spirit into us. We are spirit beings. We are not natural beings. We might have on this old fleshly body right now, but we know that in one day, that great getting up morning, that this old body of flesh, this old body of incorruption shall put on incorruptible. Mm. So it's going to come a day so we can't have no confidence in the flesh. Uh, we got to have confidence in the spirit of God through the things of God in order to achieve the things that God wants us to achieve. So we're talking about an extraordinary God using ordinary people. But in order to be used by him, you got to have his spirit within you. We got to get back to the basics. And the basics are that you must it ain't no options with this thing it ain't no options on whether you're going to have the Holy Ghost they don't even like to say Holy Ghost you know what I'm saying less long do they want you to talk about Jesus and they sure don't want you talking about a spirit but see we got to remember who we are we got to remember what the word of God that's our connection we cannot be ministered to, nor can we minister unless we have the Spirit of God. We got to have it. You can't get around it. You got to have that. That's the connection. That's the glue that holds us together. That's the link between Jesus. Jesus said, I will not leave you comforted. I will send you a comforter. 
God sent his own spirit. Realize what you have in you now. It ain't just any old spirit. It's a spirit of God. Hmm. God living on the inside. <laughs> Working on the outside. To bring about a change in our lives. Somebody need for the spirit to work a change in your life. I need for the spirit to work a change in my life right now. You need the spirit to work a change in your life. I'm talking about an extraordinary God using ordinary people. But you have to be subject and willing to be used by God. You got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Peter here is dealing more in his natural than he is in his spirit. So one thing about Jesus, see, he knows how to let it work. So he said, okay. Now Jesus didn't, after he interrupted Jesus, and I believe he did, you know, I'm just paraphrasing it. I mean, I, I don't really know, but we know Peter, right? <laughs> he can be like us sometimes. We can get a little impatient. So Peter, Peter answered and said unto him, <laughs> he said, though all these, me and him, <laughs> but me? Nah, not me. So um, right there in that 33rd verse, Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet I will never be offended. You know, he, he didn't just say, well, I won't be offended. He said, I will never, never be offended. I will never be offended. 34th verse, Jesus said unto him. Now, he's just putting some things in perspective here. And verily, surely, you, Peter, surely, he said, verily I say unto thee, that this night, not tomorrow, not tomorrow, you, you, you're running your mouth right now, and before the cock even crow three times, you're going to already deny me. <laughs> See, and that's what happens sometimes when we get in the flesh. We get in our own self. And we want to boast about who we are and what we can do and how we can get the job done better than anybody else. See, that's what Peter, you know, was saying. He said, I can do it better than any of these other guys you got here with you. That was all confidence of the flesh. He was speaking within himself. He wasn't speaking of what God could do in him. And, and, and see, Jesus was trying to give him a, a reality check there. But he still couldn't get it. He couldn't get it. And that's how we are sometimes. When we're ministered to her, or when the bishop is speaking to us or somebody happened to correct us for a thing that we done wrong. We get so tight up in our flesh that we can't hear what the word is saying or we can't hear what the spirit is trying to say because you got to realize who you're dealing with sometime when you're sitting before the men and the women of God and people that's filled with the Holy Spirit. God is trying to reveal some things to you to give you some guidance, to give you some direction, to give you some help, to give you some assistance in the, and prepare. this was all preparation. That's what that was. He was preparing them. See, Jesus wasn't just talking to be talking. He was preparing them for the things to come. But our flesh wouldn't let us hear 
which was coming. Right? That's what was going on. He couldn't hear the spirit because of his flesh. Jesus always warns us beforehand. But in order to hear the warning, we must have to be in tune with the spirit. We got to be in tune with the spirit of God in order to hear God. And that's what was going on with Peter. He could not hear because his mouth was open. He just couldn't hear. He was talking too much. Never have confidence in the flesh. James 1 and 19 let us know that let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and even slower to wrath or get angry. So he was challenging Peter's manhood there, saying y'all gonna be weak. Soon as they smite me, y'all gonna run and hide like a bunch of scared cats. And Peter was like, you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know what I can do. And that was the experience in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane whenever he came and he chopped off the soldier's ear because Peter was quick to pull his sword out. He pulled out that switchblade, right? Amen. <laughs> so we got to be careful to be in tune with the spirit. And that's what the problem was. Peter, it was good intention because God can use us how we are, but he just has to fine tune some things. And you need that spirit, you need that Holy Spirit to guide you, to control you. You need self-confidence. You need some self-control. You know, because it's okay to use your strength sometimes, but you got to know when and where to use it in order for it to be effective for the kingdom. See, because this ain't about you. It ain't about your situation. It ain't about your circumstance. Because every situation, every circumstance that we go through necessarily is not about us. It might be that we can reach somebody else. It might be that our testimony will strengthen our brother. It might be that your child is watching you. Somebody in the church is watching you and how you're going to handle the situation. Because they're always watching you. Y'all know that, right? We're always being watched. So be careful how you respond in certain situations. Because somebody's soul is invested in you. Somebody's soul is invested in you. You don't realize that, right? We don't realize the encounters that we have, the places that we go, the people that we come in contact with sometime are invested in you. That might be the determination of whether they die and go to hell or they be saved. You realize that? Don't walk lightly with the things that God has given you in your life. Don't walk lightly with this life that we're living be careful because people are watching you they are watching you Jesus get them prepared they were, Jesus was getting them prepared for a spiritual warfare not a physical one Peter was all about the physical so he was being prepared and he was ready to go defend the physical thing when Jesus was trying to get him prepared 
for the spiritual fight. Jesus will show us our problems. Don't miss them. He gonna show us. Always does. But don't miss it. Don't miss it. Not that you're not gonna go through the problem, but you can be better prepared to go through. Because you're gonna go through some things. They're just not, it's just not gonna go away. But it's better to be prepared than not to be prepared to go through, right? And that's what Jesus was trying to do here in this particular text. He was trying to prepare them. An extraordinary God using ordinary people. So he was trying to prepare them. Next, our boasting, our self-confidence can cause us to miss the warning of God. Mm -hmm. God is trying to show us. Those often fall soonest and worse that are most confident of themselves. The one that's so much confidence in themselves fall the soonest and the worst. And that's what happened in this text. It didn't happen to all of the disciples. Only Peter had the worst thing to happen to him. Look at that next, next text, 35. Peter said unto him, after Jesus tried to calm him down and say, hey, look, you the one, Peter. You're going to cry the loudest. You're going to run the fastest. <laughs> he said, though I should die. Look, now he go on to take it up another notch. <laughs> he said, I will die for you, Jesus. I'm going to die for you. But I never, never deny you. Now he, that's basically just saying, you lying right now, Jesus. I ain't going to be no liar. I ain't going to deny you. Yeah. He said, I'd rather die. He said, though I should die with thee, yet I will not deny thee. Likewise, also said all the disciples. See what happened when you got a bad leader in the bunch? See what happened when you got a bad leader in the bunch? Not only, see if Peter just would have been quiet. See, that's why it's very, when James was talking there in that scripture, that last scripture in 1, 19, that's why it's very important to always listen. Sometimes you ain't got to talk all the time. You ain't got to be the one to talk all the time. Sometimes it's good just to sit there and listen, you know, and, and try to figure out what God is telling you. By him talking so fast, he done convinced the other disciples. Yeah, ain't that what it said? Let me put my glasses on. Maybe I read it wrong. Let's go back. He said, though I should die with thee, yet I will not deny thee. Likewise, also said all the disciples, now all of them ready to die. The word I was reading um, a commentary and it said had one he yeah, say what one um one traitor but all deserters <laughs> only one traitor in the bunch but all of them was deserters when it came down to it Judas Judas was a traitor but all the rest of them jokers when the time came they scattered 
So we don't want to be caught in that. So we have to be careful because people are watching us. Leaders in the church, people are watching us. People are watching you. Song service leaders, choir directors, choir singers, ushers, members. Ain't nobody left out when you claiming the name of God and Jesus Christ. We're all disciples. They're watching you. Which way are you leading them? Think about it. Where are you leading them? Don't lead them down the wrong road like Peter did. Mm, mm, mm. All of them. Every last one of them. He said God leaves them to themselves to humble them. See, when you go back looking at, one day I'm going to get these glasses right, man. Go back and look at that 32nd verse. And the reason why I say God leaves them to humble them. 1 Corinthians 10 and 12 said, Wherefore let him that think he stands take heed lest he fall. He said, But after I am risen again, see, Jesus came back. He allow, he's going to allow them to go through, but he's giving them reassurance right there in that verse. He said, but after I have risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. So he's giving them a reassurance that even though I got to go through, even though you're going to go through and everything is going to happen, I want to give you a reassurance that I'm going to rise again. Even though they're going to kill me, I shall rise again and I shall go before you. In Deuteronomy, the 31st um, chapter, in the 8th verse, it said, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Jesus there gave them a reassurance that even though y'all got to go through, even though, Peter, you're going to deny me three times, not only did he deny him, he was out there cursing. Curse the girl out. Say, I ain't a blink, 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 blink. With that, them people, right then she said, all right, yeah, I guess not. Not cussing like that. <laughs> so, so Peter cursed her out. Distanced himself from him. But Jesus, when he did that and then the cock crowed and he looked and he could see Jesus' face. Now imagine how ashamed he was. Imagine how broken he was. Imagine how much disappointment he had in himself. He felt like he was nothing. He was low to the ground. Peter went off and hid. He wasn't with the rest of the disciples when Jesus came. He said, go get my disciples and Peter. Had to call his name out to assure him that I have not forsaken you even though you forsake me. And that's what I'm talking about. An extraordinary God using ordinary people. Even ordinary people that commit ordinary sins. Have ordinary family problems. Go through ordinary situations and circumstances. God can still use you no matter what happened in your life. No matter what goes on. Don't pull yourself down into a pit of horror and then think God can't use it. Once you do fall down, get back up. Ask God to forgive you and move on. See, the problem is in the church, because I got to talk to the church because ain't no, you know, it's us in here. 
And this word was written for us that us could go out and show the world the word. We got to show the world the word. That's why the word was written for us. So it was written for us. So the church is the worst ones to condemn people. The word of God says in Romans that there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is a convicting spirit, but it don't condemn us, right? The Holy Spirit come to convict us. It's what we say in our thing every morning, right? So, but the enemy come to condemn us. Oh, you ain't jack. You ain't nothing. I saw you. I saw you last night. I saw where you was at. I saw what you was doing. You ain't never been saved. You never was saved. You can never be saved. This is the enemy talking to us in a condemning manner. But we, but see, I, but we shouldn't talk to each other that way. He said, when you find your brother in a fault, restore him. When you find your sister in a fault, restore them. Don't break them down even worse than the thing or situation or circumstances that they went through. We got to be encouragers one of another. That's where the, what the purpose of the church is. That we be encouraged. That we help each other. That's what we got to do. We can't break each other down. Terror. And that happens more in the church than anywhere else. We can't continually hold people past against them. Even though we might have some criminals in the church. I used to be a criminal. I used to sell drugs. I used to use drugs. I used to drink alcohol. What you want to name? And the word of God says so are some of them in the church. And it says so were some of you. I didn't say that. The word do. Right? Who are we to judge our brothers? Who are we to judge our sisters? Who are we to judge our young people for the same thing you used to do when you was young? Come on now, allow them to grow. We can't always see the finished product, but we just continually, like the words say, one planet, one water, and God give the increase. He didn't say you was gonna see the increase. You might not never see the increase. Just plant the seed. Put the water on it. Let God do the work. That's the problem in here. We continually want to see an instant change in people. We want to see it instantly happen. You're going to speak some words into people's lives that you might not never see come to fruition. Just plant the word. Stop trying to watch it. You're sitting there watching it, waiting for it to come out the ground. It ain't going to come up that quick. Y'all, everybody in here know me. Now, you didn't know me when I lived in Georgia. My Sunday school teachers could see me now. They'd be like, what in the world is he doing up there? Like, and, you know, they didn't call me Michael back then. They called me Mike Walker. They go, that Mike Walker. <laughs> yeah, they, they, would, they, they call me by my whole name. Make sure they know. There he is. If they saw me up here now, they'd be like, oh my God. 
They let him up there. Do they know him? <laughs> but that's how we are sometimes, right? We like that. So we got to come to, and the one thing that me and my wife, you know, and, and we was going through a lot of things, and I told her this. I didn't tell her because it came, you know, I, I had a, you know, I'm so intelligent. <laughs> I told her because the Holy Spirit spoke it into my heart. So we was going through some things, and, and God said, you got to forgive her like I forgive you. You know what I'm saying? That's how we got to be. Even though she did this to you yesterday, you got to forgive her and live today like it never happened. That's how Jesus and God is with us. When we commit our sins, when we do the things we do, God, when you go and say, Lord, forgive me for what I have done, he treats you after that moment like it never happened. See, the problem is we drag so much junk. We got so many bags of wrongdoing, mistreatment, people talking about me. People didn't speak to me when they came to the church. They walked right by me, didn't even say nothing. You're dragging that around with you forever just because somebody didn't speak to you. I have a lot of things on my mind sometimes when I'm in the church. You know, I might be thinking about this thing. I'm sorry if I didn't speak to you. You know, it ain't always about you. You know what I'm saying? I ain't trying to get down on nobody, but grow up. It's time for us to grow up. How long you gonna be in the church and act like that? We gotta grow up. We got to grow up, people. It ain't always about you. Always be thinking about somebody else. You never know what done happened to people in the situation. That's what we got to do. Think about what could be going on in somebody else's life. It ain't always about you. An extraordinary God using ordinary people. That's what we're talking about today. Is that all right? Huh? One thing about it, God can use anybody. If he can use a donkey to get his word across. Huh? He can use anybody. Who are we to say that God can't use anybody? He can use anybody's gifts, anybody's talents. And don't be so high-minded, so educated that, that God can't use you. A lot of times we can have so many degrees behind our name that we forget who God is. And that's a problem that happened with Paul in Acts 9 when he had to bring Paul and knock him down. We know who Paul was. Paul was a man that was very educated in his day and time. He probably was the most educated man. But Paul had to be humbled. He had to be brought down. But, but see, one thing about it, God didn't get rid of the gifts and the talents that Paul had. Yes, see, when you, when you break them down, God build them back up. He don't leave out certain things. He just get rid of that bad stuff that they don't need, that self-confidence in the flesh, that attitude, that nasty attitude. But your personalities are going to be the same. 
Your education is going to be the same. He's just going to take that education and work it for his glory. So that's what had to happen to Paul, an extraordinary God using ordinary people. So he broke Paul down so that he could use him. And once Paul came to the realization, it's all about being humble. We have to humble ourselves that God can use us. We take every gift, every talent that's in the church and use it for his ability. Once Paul got on the right road, he preached and teached the gospel. He wrote 13 of the 27 books in, in the New Testament. But see, that was because of his educational background. It was because of his abilities, his talents, and his willing to humble himself. Paul couldn't have got that without humbling himself. And after Peter went through all that he went to, they went back and got Peter. After God had broken from his self-confident, boasting, bragging, braggadocious self, God used him mightily. God can use anybody. He can take an unknown and make him known. If you're in this church today and you're unknown, you think nobody don't know you. You think that your abilities, your talents are not anything. That you think that you can never be anything you got to know that God can use you because an extraordinary God uses ordinary people. You ain't got to be a super Christian for God to use you. You ain't got to have theology degrees and extensive ministry experience. You just got to submit yourself to the will of God. You got to humble yourself before the hand of God and God will take you to where he wants you to go. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus Christ. That's his purpose. An extraordinary God uses ordinary people. The Lord takes nobodies and makes somebody. God uses all sorts of people with all sorts of gifts, all sorts of talents, all sorts of abilities so that they can be a testimony for his glory. Your gift, your talent, Somebody told you that you would never be nothing. Told you that you would never amount to nothing. Even my brothers and my sisters told me that. You know that? My brothers, my own brother. You ain't gonna never be nothing. You ain't gonna never be nothing. I was, ba I was bad, so you know. It was some... Um... But see, even though I was bad, but God. You see what I'm saying? Don't never look at people, and, and, and the reason why I'm saying this is especially for our young people, because you don't know what God is doing in their lives. You don't know what they're going to be. It just what they appear to be right now. Keep praying. Keep fasting. And like I said, you might not see it, but God is going to bring it to fruition. Preach the word, teach the word, encourage them. You know, discipline them. Don't forget the discipline because we can't, we got to discipline them. You, you got to give them that discipline. Discipline them, but don't never forget the word of God. Give it to them because you don't know. 
I hate when, you know, people, you can look at, I mean, when you look at the kids in here and you look at certain people, and look at Devin over there. He wasn't a bad child, I don't think. But look at him now. Look at what a man of God he is. Look how gifted he is. Look how he uses gifts, his talents, his abilities. And I remember all the kids that we used to see in inner light, like Micah and all those. Every one of them are awesome people in the word of God. We got to remember, we don't know the finished product. God is the one that does it. God, let God do his thing in our lives. An extraordinary God uses ordinary people. That's what it's all about. That's my message today. If you stand to your feet. Somebody here today standing in this sanctuary right now. You thought that God could never use you. People told you that you would never amount to anything. They told you you would never be anything. Told you you wasn't educated enough. Told you you wasn't gifted enough. You didn't talk right. You don't look right. You know, that's the society that we live in today. They tell us that we don't look good enough. We don't talk well enough. You know, I'm here to tell you that an extraordinary God uses ordinary people. When you go back and look in the Bible and you see some of the unknowns, the people that were nothing, the people that was murderers, liars, adulterers, whoremongers, whatever you want to name, they were in there. But God say, I love you. I love you so much that I will come down through 42 generations and wrap myself in some flesh. And let them spit on me. Let them beat me. Let them drive nails through my hands. Let them rip my beard out. Let them place a crown of thorns upon my head. Nail my feet to a wooden cross and nail me between two thieves that you might have life. That you might be whatever I say you can be. That's the God that loves you. Regardless of your sins, past, present, future. He wrapped them all up on Jesus and hung him on the cross. Realize this, Jesus and God are the same now. He just put himself in some flesh, in his own spirit. This is God going through the things that he had to go through that we might have the right to the tree of life. So don't let people discourage you. Young people, older people, no matter what you have went through, no matter what you have done, God loves you just as much as he loved anybody else. He died for you as much as he died for me. So whatever your situation is, your circumstance, no matter where you are, it's healing at the altar. It's salvation at the altar. It's deliverance at the altar. 
The Holy Spirit is waiting for you at the altar. Whatever you need is at the altar. Don't let people discourage you. The word of God say in Romans the 8th chapter, if God be for you, he's more than the whole world against you. So it don't bother me when people look at me strange. It don't bother me the things that were said about me when I was young. I just take all that for a few to continue to push me towards the thing. Now I want to thank my brothers. I want to thank my sisters. I want to thank the principal of my high school that said I would never be nothing. I want to thank all them people because it was those things that encouraged me to do the right things. To prove them that you're wrong. By, but I didn't do it within myself. I had to come to Jesus. I needed the Holy Spirit to encourage me, to give me the power to walk right, to give me the power to talk right. I had to humble myself. I couldn't do it within myself. I couldn't do it through selling drugs. I couldn't do it through fighting. I couldn't do it through being a criminal and stealing and breaking into things and doing the things I used to do. I had to submit myself to God. I had to humble myself before God. I had to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and work on me, fix me. I couldn't be abusive to my wife anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I used to be abusive. Some of you are still. But God said, he can heal you. He can strengthen you. He can give you the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things, to overcome the drug addiction, to overcome the sexual addiction, to pornography, whatever it may be. Healing is at the altar. Deliverance is at the altar. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are laden and heavy burdened, and I shall give you rest. Learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. It's at the altar. No matter how many times you've been at the altar, always come back to the altar. It might be one filling, but it's many refillings. Somebody need to be refilled today. You're a little empty. We're running on a little empty right now. And you need for God to fill you. You need a refilling today. It's at the altar. You need healing for your body today. It's at the altar. You need strengthening in your marriage today. It's at the altar. Deliverance is here. See, we got to be delivered from a lot of things. You're saved now, but you got to be delivered. And the question was, have you received the Holy Ghost? Have you received him? Have you received the Holy Ghost? See, because your jobs can't keep you. Your finance ain't going to keep you. Your husband can't keep you. Your wife can't keep you. Only thing that can keep you is God. 
through his Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, giving us what we need. It's healing here. It's deliverance here. Humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God. Before he humbles you. The words say humble yourself. See, he was trying to give him a warning like he was giving Peter that warning. The words say humble yourself. Don't make God humble you. Don't make him humble you. Don't make him humble you. Humble yourself. That in due time, the Lord will exalt you to where he wants you to be. So we got to humble ourselves. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to go down and we're going to pray. I'm going to lay hands on you and we're going to pray and touch and agree with you. Not that I have any special powers. I'm just touching and agreeing because the word of God said, well, any two touch and agree and ask anything that it shall be done. I'm agreeing with you in your situation, in your circumstance that you came to this altar for and that God is going to do it for you as you humble yourself, as you submit yourself to the will of God. It shall be done. Me and all the ministers are going to come down and we're going to touch and agree with you as he plays some music. Hallelujah.